0: Alright, alright, alright Welcome back It's Fit, it's, 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 it's fit Nation
1: plate, I guess it's why they call it
2: God's country. I saw the light in a sunrise sitting back in a 40 on the muddy riverside getting baptized in holy water and shine with the dogs running
3: You singing my favorite song, swinging on the front porch, just laughing at the dogs. I swear you love me more when you're whispering at night. All those little moments are every reason why I'm homesick. This feeling that I'm feeling, oh, no, we don't quit. It's like half of me. And heaven knows it That all I want to do Is be alone with it. Your brown eyes are tangled up Just holding. Honey, you tonight until morning Baby, that's the damn truth If home is where the heart Term. I've never been before Yeah, they're screaming my name This is what we dreamed about But out here singing about you, baby All I'm thinking about is how I'm homesick This feeling that I'm feeling No, we don't quit It's like half of me is missing Heaven knows it That all I want to do brown eyes and tangled up just for on you tonight until the morn baby that's the damn truth if home is where the heart is i'm homesick That I'm feeling No, we don't quit It's like half of me is missing Heaven knows it That all I want
0: Welcome back to the Misfit Nation. If you're a new listener, we appreciate you joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast apps and on our YouTube channel, The Underscore Misfit Nation. That's The Underscore Misfit Nation. This will keep you up to date on our latest episodes of the Misfit Nation while also allowing you to hear the amazing stories of our guests. Speaking of which, our next guest has shared the stage with Martha Stewart, Dr. Oz, Suzanne Somers. Caitlin Jenner, Ice T, and five presidents of the United States at Harvard, Cambridge, Oxford, London Stock Exchange, Nasdaq, Mercedes, Porsche, Coca-Cola, Microsoft at and the Royal Society of Medicine. His 21st best-selling book, Wisdom of the Men, is nominated for the Pulitzer Prize. He splits his time between homes in New York City, LA, and Acapulco, Mexico, where he lives with his wife of 20 years, Ali. Nova, their billion peso puppy. So without further ado, let's welcome to the Misfit Nation, Mr. Clint Arthur.
4: One billion pesos. That's what I've spent on that dog. I'm telling
0: you. <laughs> I have four <laughs> dogs. I understand the pain. <laughs> they, uh, oh they say, get God. a pet. They say, rescue a dog. They say, it's a beautiful thing. But then they don't tell you the backside of it.
4: The anguish, you know, hearing her crying when she broke her ligament that I had to take her and get her repaired. Oh, poor baby.
0: And looking you in the eyes, the doe eyes. And, you know, you have to not only get her repaired, but have a treat ready for her when she comes back. So she's happy again. Aww. well,
4: you know. You gotta what's it all about, right? What's it all about? If you don't have love, what's it all
0: about? Exactly. <laughs> that's exactly right. You have to have love for others, a love for all all living things. And that's that's what keeps this marble spinning around. It's not the hatred that we see, it's the love you can provide your your fellow brother and sister around you, and your of course the animals in our lives. So Clint, if Amen. you don't if you don't mind, tell the Misfit Nation a little bit about your backstory, how this all started for you.
4: Well, I thought I could do anything. I thought I could conquer the world. I thought I could go to Hollywood and write a bunch of screenplays and somebody would want me to star in them and then I would become a movie star and famous and win an Academy Award and I would become very special to the world. I only became very special to the people who called Yellow Cab Company because I became the driver of Yellow Cab number 6087 for many, many, many years. And that was a... Scary, miserable, terrifying way to eke out a living for a guy like me who should have been somebody, you know. When I was in eighth grade, I was the star of West Side Story. I was Tony in West Side Story. And we did another play that year. It was called Hair. And Robert Downey Jr. was the star of Hair in my junior high school play. And then uh, the ninth, in ninth grade, there was a kid named John Cryer. He was, he was Conrad in Bye Bye Birdie. And in 10th grade, in the high school play, I was Conrad in Bye Bye Birdie. John Cryer, of course, went on to star in a little TV show with Charlie Sheen called Two and a Half Men. He was one of those two and a half. You know, I should have been one of those guys. Why not? But... <laughs> Hollywood didn't think so. I chased that dream for, I heard you get 10 years. It takes you 10 years to become an overnight success in Hollywood. Well, 10 years came and went. And then it went to 11 years. I thought, I'm overdue. And then 12 years. And then 13 years came and went. And I said, holy cow. I cannot keep throwing my life away on this dream. That's never going to happen. I just want to, I just want to, be a normal person. That's where I was at. I just wanted to be a normal person. I just want to get married and have a wife and uh, make some money and own a home. And luckily, I got out of taxi driving and got into selling gourmet food. And then I met a great woman, and she believed in me more than I believed in myself. I started buying. I bought a fixer upper and fixed it up and. Rented it out and then I bought a teardown and then I bought a vacant lot and I bought a bunch of vacant lots and built a bunch of houses and I got fat and happy all throughout the 2000s. And then it came to be October 2008. What were you doing? Were you, were you, were you as scared as me? The world was melting down in the financial crisis. I went to a men's self-help campfire. Oh, wow. And the shaman pointed at me across the yellow and orange flames and said, you don't know it, yet, but you're already dead said, so what are you talking about, man? I'm the most successful guy on this team. Eight years ago, I was driving a cab. Now I'm a millionaire. I was living on a little boat. Now I live in a mansion. You're already dead. You just don't know it. And I didn't know what he was talking about, but I couldn't stop thinking about it. I'd wake up in the middle of the night. I'm already dead. What does he mean? And it came to be two years, New Year's Day, 2009. And I pulled out a pad and a piece of paper and a pen to write down my goals for the year. As I became accustomed to doing when I became successful as a businessman and instead of trying to be a writer, because I had quit writing. I quit writing on New Year's Day of the millennium. I said, it's not worth it. I'm not throwing my life away at this anymore. But But nine years later on New Year's Day of 2009, I said, hey, what if that guy's right? What if this is gonna be the last year of my life? What if I was gonna die at the end of this year? What would I want to accomplish? And the crazy thing is I wrote down, I need to write my book about what I learned in business school that made me successful once I stopped trying to be somebody and just focused on getting business done. And that became my first best-selling book. And now, 21 best-selling books later, I have my book, Wisdom of the Men, which is nominated for the Pulitzer Prize. And I'm following in my footsteps of my high school creative writing teacher. His name was Frank McCourt. He won the Pulitzer Prize in 1997 with his memoir about his impoverished childhood in Ireland. And my hope and prayer is that these judges are going to see the virtue in selecting Clint. Because I, man, you know, if you had told me that I would be writing, like, in obscurity, even you know, I have 21 best-selling books. What does that mean? Nobody still knows who I am. If I was writing, if you told me 40 years later, I'd be writing and writing and writing and still nobody would know and nobody would care, nobody in the grand scheme of things. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But here I am. How's that?
0: I mean, that's great. Uh, I mean, how did it feel when you got that nomination, knowing that your junior high school mentor, uh, Mr. Frank McCourt, was also nominated and achieved the Fall Prize? now you're in that same boat as him.
4: It was really an incredible feeling, it really was. I was very, very excited, I made a video about it. I was, where was I, what was I doing? I was getting on a plane, I was going to London. I was going to London to speak at the London Stock Exchange and the Royal Society of Medicine and Oxford and Cambridge on a tour. That was in September when I found out and it really was exciting and there's a video about it on my Facebook profile page, Clint Arthur. You know, the, the nomination is really quite incredible. It really is. It, it has changed my life and changed me a lot. And, you know, I don't know how many books there are that are competing, it couldn't be more than 300. You know, I'm one out of 300, I think. And hopefully I'll be the one.
0: Well, let's hope so. That'll, that'll add another thing to your, your resume, to your, your next book. I freaking author. deserve
4: it, man! I deserve <laughs> <Yes>. it.
0: <laughs> I've been in the game a while.
4: <laughs> I really, I really do deserve it, man. In this book, I got every. I, you know, I was thinking about what am I going to write in this book? Wisdom of the Men. This came out of my work with the men in the self help teams that I was part of. Every time we would have a meeting, I somehow, somehow, I got up the courage to run to be the leader of the team and they freaking elected me the leader of the team. It's the only thing I've ever been in, been elected to in my whole life. The only thing I ever ran for and the only thing I got elected to was team leader of a men's team called Kryptonite Junkies from the 17th Hell. That was the name of the team. Oh, wow. <laughs> Crazy name, right? Yes, so, it first is. first thing I did was... That's a misfit name, I'll tell you. First thing I did was when I got on that team and became the leader... I tried to get them to change the name of the team from Kryptonite Junkies from the 17th Hell to something more rational. And after about an hour and a half of discussion and argument back and forth, we did change the name of the team to Kryptonite Junkies from the 18th Hell. That that happened for real. But then when I became the leader, the first thing I did was I got my right-hand man to orchestrate this, where the men changed the name of the team to The Men. So this way, when I was going to the meetings, my my wife would say, where are you going? And I said, I'm going to the men. And that made a lot more sense. And you read about it in the book. It was a a tremendous thing to be the leader of the men. And when I was the leader of the men, we'd get to a certain point in the meeting, and I would say, all right, let's get your chairs, everybody circle up, made a circle around, you know, in the field, wherever we were having the meeting. And I'd say, all right. It's time for the wisdom of the men. Who needs the wisdom of the men? And that's when all the noise would disappear and you start to hear crackling energy around the circle because the wisdom of millennia of men was coming through us, helping out any man with any problem that he had. It was a magical experience. And that's what I wanted to capture in this book the wisdom of the men. I wanted to make this a resource for any man or any woman who needs something in their life. You may not know what you need, but for many years when I was driving a cab, I would come home at night after a long, hard day of being told by Hollywood, you suck, you're terrible, you're never gonna make it, you're too old, you're not good looking enough, you you look too Jewish, whatever they would say. Oh, wow. (laughs) And I would come home and crawl into my bunk in in the boat and I would reach up on the shelf and pull down Frank McCourt's book and I would just flip open to any page and read his beautiful prose. And hopefully people will just flip to a random page and open and read this book to get something because there's so many different stories from so many different people. John Travolta, Nicolas Cage, Dr. Oz, George Bush, Bill Clinton, Jimmy Carter, Mick Jagger, Ringo Starr, Mike Tyson, Buzz Aldrin, I, I mean, Andy Warhol. I have been very blessed considering the fact that I... Took a huge chunk out of my life and just, you know, was writing and auditioning and getting nowhere. I, somehow in my life, I've been able to meet a lot of people and ask them my question What's the most important thing you ever learned? And get their answers, you know. And some people have objections about the presidents, okay? I've met five presidents of the United States in my lifetime, met met them face to face. I got the pictures with them to prove it and all the pictures are in the book. So that's how you know all this stuff is real because you can see I'm in photos with basically every single person in this book. And people object to these presidents. Oh, this one was a terrible person. This one I hate his politics. This one is a deep state operative. This one was a communist, whatever you may say. That's not what this is about. What this is about is about timeless wisdom. When I met George H.W. Bush, I said, sir, what's the most important thing you ever learned? You may not like his politics, but here's a guy who he must have been close to 80 years old and I was about 45. I said, sir, what's the most important thing you've ever learned? He said, well, young man, that's a big question. But I have to say, You have to keep doing the things you love in this life. And in the photo, you'll see his necktie has little parachute jumpers on the necktie. The guy loved parachuting out of airplanes. And what does that have to do with politics? Nothing. It only has to do with advice. And do you think it's good advice to keep doing the things you love in your life? Oh,
0: definitely. Yeah. Uh, Another Uh, tidbit about George H.W., he loved loud socks, uh, colorful socks. So he was really involved with John's crazy socks, uh, another guest I had on here. And even up until when he passed, his family asked for pairs of socks for the funeral for everybody. So they all had socks to reference their, their love of their dad as he went, went to the other side.
4: You know, ultimately, whatever you think about celebrities or about presidents or about astronauts or musicians or boxers, whatever you think about it. These are people who have reached a level of prominence in their industry, which has transcended the industry and taken them to international superstardom. That's the only people that I wrote about in the book. And they're people. And what I what I do is I connect with people and I find out the smartest thing they ever learned. There
0: you go. And you, what you basically do is take the, the media veil off of them and make them humans in the eyes of the reader. So the reader can see that these are people just like you and I who get up every morning, put their pants on one leg at a time, hopefully, and uh, they're able to walk forward every day and be successful as human beings.
4: That's true. And also a lot of these stories really aren't about the people who i met it's about my process of meeting the people you know like i didn't really get a lot of time with Mick Jagger i i got face to face with him but it's really about how did i get face to face with Mick Jagger the whole process because the story began in Honolulu Hawaii when i got an email about how if you donate $25,000 to the Rolling Stones' favorite charity, you can go to a concert and be in the front and be in the VIP party. And you can even meet the band and get a picture with the band. And that's, I said, look look at this, Allie. Hand the email to my wife. She goes, wow, that would be really cool. But $25,000, that's crazy. Next day, I got another email from the same charity. If you donate $25,000, Just click here. And on a whim, I clicked here. And my iPhone auto-populated all the credit card information. And I just clicked buy now. And boom. I said, Allie, guess what? We're going to go meet Mick Jagger. She goes, you did not pay $25,000. I said, yes, I did. What do you think the money is for? It's a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. She goes, I guess you're right. It is once-in-a-lifetime. And it is for a charity. So it's a good cause. And then we had to get to an arena an hour and a half outside of Amsterdam in the Netherlands. I mean, it was a whole giant trip, and we had to get back to California because I had a speaking event where I was speaking to 600 financial advisors at the Million Dollar Roundtable Financial Conference, and I had to get there. And first, we met the band. We went to the concert, greatest concert of all time. If you've never seen the Rolling Stones, you know, they're... They're playing their 60th year together. That's what they're doing. That's coming up. I just read about it. When you're in a band, when you're doing anything for 40, 50, 60 years, you have no idea of the mastery that comes out of it. That's why That's why this book turned out so great. I've been doing it for so long. I really have gotten good. And we go to this concert. We're in the you know before the concert we go to the vip party and then we have our meeting with the band and i'm there i am shaking hands with mick jagger and i go sir mick what's the most important thing you ever learned he says You can't always get what you want, but if you try, sometimes you might find you get what you need. And I know it's just a line from a song, but damn if it's not amazing advice. You know, I I can't always get what I want. I don't often get what I want. I've spent 13 years not getting what I want, but I did get what I needed. And people ask me, do you resent having spent 13 years chasing a dream that never happened? And I say no, because I learned the most important thing out of all of that is that it's not it's not what you do in this world it's not what you do you could be the best brain surgeon in the world but if nobody knows about you you can't save any lives it's about who you are in the eyes of the people who need you if you are respected and known and admired throughout the world as being the best brain surgeon then you could save a lot of lives is Dr. Oz the best cardiothoracic surgeon in the world I don't know but I do know that if I was a super rich guy and I needed cardiovascular surgery, I would be strongly considering Dr. Oz as my surgeon because he's Dr. Oz.
0: His household name.
4: <laughs> so then after the concert, but this is the crazy thing. You can't always get what you want, but if you try, sometimes you might find to get what you need. I needed to get from Amsterdam to my million-dollar roundtable speech and it was four thousand dollars a person one way for a coach ticket and that didn't seem like a smart way to blow money and i did a search i changed my search and instead of looking for the shortest flight i looked for the longest flight on expedia and i found aeroflot airlines had a flight that went from amsterdam to moscow with an 18-hour stopover in moscow and then continued straight to los angeles we did that we stayed in the best hotel in moscow we ate in the best restaurant we got the picture of me and my wife with the uh with the mushroom cap church you know uh with the kremlin star over our shoulders i'm going to show you this picture of the mushroom caps church and you asked my wife what was the best part of the whole trip With the rolling stones and she says it was the one night in moscow now who would have ever predicted that i i don't know i never would have predicted that but you know you gotta like you gotta do what you can to get what you want and then hopefully you will get what you need oh wow let's see
0: there it is that's nice yeah, great photo it's a great yeah. picture
4: yeah. it was a great you know what man it was a great memory it was a great experience and that's what life is about is about having great experiences with people that you love including your billion peso puppy
0: <laughs> every trip me and my wife go on in 2008 we were in uh in korea living in korea 2008 2010 when the, the world was coming to an end so we went on trips all around there the whole peninsula we went to and then we went to thailand went to china hawaii on the way back but we have pictures just like that in front of every famous thing in those places the selfie stick of life that she had at that time and or my daughter would take it or the three of us would be in the picture so we have memories like that everywhere we go and it's just that's what makes those trips memorable for me i mean i love going everywhere i've been around the world many times but not doing fun things all the time when i get to do fun things i have a great time and having those memories just makes it last forever
4: We work a lot in our lives, you know? I mean, I'm lucky. I love writing and telling stories. I love doing that part. So for me, writing the books is really fun. It's like being an artist. That's my artistry period of time. I get to write and and do my thing and nobody can tell me anything. And I'm just like, I don't care about anybody. I'm just doing exactly what I want. And then comes the hard part, which is doing all the work of getting the work out there, doing, you know, I, I enjoy performing, I enjoy talking, I enjoy being on interviews like this, but it's a lot of work, you know, I do two, three of these a day, day after day after day after day.
0: Now I'm sure it, it starts to burn on you after a while, but with your, your passion you have for it, I think helps you to see to the other side of that and find that light and keep moving forward.
4: Well, I know that this is what it takes, you know, and I believe you got to do what you got to do. You got to do what you got to do. Do what you got to do productions was the name of my production company when I was trying to be somebody in Hollywood. Do what you got to do. Do what you got to (laughs) do.
0: That's outstanding. I mean, you had a a pretty uh, legit middle school, high school uh, fan base, a star cast there. Did you ever run back into any of them as you have, as you have climbed up now, have you ran back into any of your famous classmates, or do you have awesome uh, reunions?
4: I saw Robert Downey Jr. at a movie premiere party. He did a movie called, I think it was called Soap, uh, something like that. He was a soap opera star, and he got to kiss Sybil Shepard in the movie. And we were, we were both in our mid-20s, and you know there we are. And I go, hey, man, you remember me from junior high school 104? And he goes, wow, you're all grown up. I go, yeah, you too. And I go, how was it kissing Civil Shepherd in the movie? He goes, oh, it was great. You know, I didn't know what to say to the guy. What am I supposed to say to Robert Downey Jr.? He was already somebody by that point. But the crazy thing is that, you know, Robert Downey Jr., he had a lot of problems with drugs and the law, got arrested, went to jail. And then he got out of jail, and he was lucky enough to get hired to do a movie with this woman as a producer named Susan Levine and then he hooked up with Susan Levine and he's been married to Susan Levine and they're on a rocket ride together. I mean, she produces all the movies that he does and they make tons and tons of impact, influence and income around the world. (laughs) Who is Susan Levine? Here's the crazy part. My wife used to be the president of a Hollywood production company and Susan Levine worked for my wife. in every production company they have somebody who is called the development person their job is to read all the screenplays that people submit and tell the producers why the screenplays suck that's their job and who was the d girl at my wife's production company susan levine and you know when this guy hooked up with susan levine boom and when i hooked up with my wife a similar boom, wasn't quite the same boom as Robert Downey Jr., but hey, we're doing pretty good. And I personally, if I was to look back, like if you were to tell me, when I was behind the wheel of the cab on New Year's Eve of the millennium, making $513, Clint, one day, 20 years from now, you're gonna own houses around the world, you're gonna have had your dream cars, you're going to be married to this beautiful woman who loves you more than anything for 20 years. You're going to have worked with all these international superstars and five presidents of the United States. I wouldn't have believed it because that's how low I was. And so that's how grateful I am every day to have what I have because it's not the houses, it's not the cars, it's not it's not any of that stuff. It's uh, It's... The life that I've built and who I've become in the process of all of this, I've become the husband, I've become the man, I've become the writer, I've become a person who is living up to my three words. These are my three words, freedom, power, and adventure, freedom to do what I want, the power to make it happen, and the adventure, thats what. read the adventures in Wisdom of the Men. All the adventures are in there, and there was a lot
0: of them awesome and clinton where can the uh the average man like myself find your books amazon.com you gotta type in
4: clint arthur just type in clint arthur at amazon.com you'll see a lot of books okay there you go
0: awesome and uh how does someone get in contact with you if they want you to be on their show just to get some advice from you how to be a better person
4: thank you that's very kind of you to say that no one's ever said how do you get advice about how to be a better person that's that's very nice. That's kind of like when I was on the Today Show with with Brooke Shields and Willie Geist interviewing me. And Willie Geist goes, after the... Like we get to the end of the interview and Willie Geist goes, OK, we have a viewer question from Michelle in Long Island. She wants to know, after a long, bad relationship is over, how do I move on? <laughs> and I'm on live TV on the Today Show. And I'm like, who the hell am I to be answering this question? I'm, I'm not... <laughs> Anybody who knows anything, but I said something. I said, just let it go, right? Just let it go. Because when you let it go, you got to make room for the old to have the new. So just let it go. And that seemed to be something that everybody liked. So if you want to get in touch with me, Clint with three T's.com. It's on the screen. Clint with three T's.com. Why three T's, Clint? Well, I work with a lot of authors, speakers, coaches experts of all different kind they come and i help them write their books or tell their stories or learn how to have more impact influence and income and one of those experts is a name scientist and she said to me clint i wish you had an extra t at the end of your name clint because the t's always end up on top and i couldn't get clint with two t's.com but i could get clint with three t's.com and that's why clint with three t's.com is where you go
0: outstanding and clint thanks for taking some of your time to share your story share your knowledge with us here and uh good luck to uh, the paul it's prize i know you, i know it's coming to you i'll see it on the, the big screen with you standing there with the prize and that'll be a light for all our, our listeners
4: thank you rich appreciate it great to be with you
0: you know how we do this Thanks for taking some of your time to spend with us on Misfit Nation. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and share the link as much as possible. If you want to, please become a supporter to help us carry this thing on. We appreciate you. If you know someone that brings that energy, has a great story, is an up-and-comer in any industry of music, in the arts, have them reach out to us on the misfitnation.com. We will get back to them within one day and get them on here so they can share their story With the world. As always, till next time, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling, because we are Fit Nation. Where do I turn to when there's no
2: choice to make?
3: How do I presume When there's so much
2: at stake I was so sure
3: Yeah,